I enjoyed road trips as a kid. There's way to make them. There's a way to make them fun. You play games along the way. But for many of us, and and the common association we have with the word road trip is a million little pressures to drive my blood pressure up. From the crazy person not letting you merge to the slowpoke in front of us to the dog getting sick to the bathroom situation, there are billions of little things that can make your road trip a really inconvenient time. But compared to most of world history, traveling is for us very convenient, unbelievably historically convenient. We have cars that can take us safely in a few days, what used to take months and even years. According to Google Maps, it is theoretically possible to travel from Maine to San Diego in 48 hours. You can probably get there in 16 hours if you fly. As we drive along the way, we have gas stations, rest stations, hotels, grocery stores, fast food, everything we can possibly need to rest, resupply, and restock along the way. We have credit and debit cards that allow us to keep all of our liquid wealth in one single pocket. We have law enforcement to keep down the highway robberies, theoretically, and to make sure that everybody's driving in such a way that there are fewer accidents. But for most of world history, in in this ancient world of our psalmist, travel was a matter of life and death every day. It was daily a matter of life and death. You have to pack out anything and everything you might need onto a beast of burden, so you've also got to pack for the beast of burden to be able to eat. You need to carry enough gold or tradable goods that you can barter along the way to get what you need should you run out of anything, and that's if you find a city where you can do that. You need to pray you're going to find oases along the way to make sure nobody dies of thirst. You're going to face miles and miles of dangerous beasts. Maybe you remember the story of Samson, how Samson is traveling about six miles. He's going from his hometown down to Timnah, that's about six miles, and a lion attacks him. There are beasts all along the way, even, you know, a five-minute commute. You're going to face robbers and murderers. Maybe you'll remember the parable Jesus tells of the, the Good Samaritan, how a man is traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, that's about 23 miles, and he is beaten, robbed, stripped, and left for dead. He loses essentially his whole life and livelihood in a single day of travel. You're going to need to, if you're traveling in the ancient world, you're going to need to depend on the hospitality of strangers to survive each night. Remember the story of Sodom in Genesis 19, or the story of Gibeah in Judges 19. How there are two towns where their sworn duty, their duty in the culture is to protect people traveling through. And yet what do the cities do? They plan to assault and brutalize strangers they are bound to protect, strangers who depend on them for survival. With so many dangers associated with travel, one might ask, why do it at all? Why bother leaving home? And the answer is, the pilgrim is not home. This is a psalm of ascents. It's a song sung by people on a pilgrimage from death to life. It's a pilgrim song for people traveling to Jerusalem to praise and worship Yahweh. They're going to Zion. They're going to Jerusalem. They are going to God's city. They're going to Yahweh's city to be with Yahweh. In our Psalter, the psalm before Psalm 121 is Psalm 120. And Psalm 120 ends with this exclamation, Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, 
that I dwell among the tents of Kadar. Too long I have been dwelling among those people who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Meshach and Kadar are far away outside the promised land. They're not home. They're far away from God's city. They're far from his temple. They're far from his people. The pilgrim hates living there. He hates living in a world and a culture that wars against God's people. The pilgrim is always surrounded on every side by every enemy of God, and it is not his home. The pilgrim longs for the promised land. The pilgrim longs for life in the land of rest with Yahweh and his people. The pilgrim longs to be forever in the land of Sabbath and worship. And so the pilgrim makes the journey. The pilgrim is traveling toward Jerusalem. He's traveling up to Jerusalem, toward Zion. He's traveling from constant death into life, life with God. But that brings us to the opening problem of our text this morning, the problem of the hills. The hills are a problem. See, hills are really strategically amazing when you're on top of them. If you have the high ground in a fight, you might even say, it's over, I have the high ground. But when you're in the valley, or sorry, maybe you'll remember the story of David. The story of David that we read in the books of Samuel, remember how he takes Jerusalem and it's marketed as this seemingly unbelievable feat of sheer strategic brilliance. It's amazing because he has done the impossible. He has penetrated an impenetrable mountain fort. It's amazing because it's unheard of. You don't just beat geography. Over and over again in the scriptures, the hills are often a source of comfort and a picture of perfect unshakable comfort. Psalm 125, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so Yahweh surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. Psalm 90, Yahweh, you've been our dwelling place through all generations before the mountains were brought forth. Yahweh, you predate these mountains, these gigantic, solid, permanent, immovable fixtures of the landscape. You predate them. And you are our comfort. Isaiah 2, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. At the top of the mountain and the end of the journey, mountains are safety. Mountains are security. But when you are at the bottom of the mountain, the mountain is not comfort. It is the danger. And in this psalm, the mountain is not the comfort. The hills are the danger. When you are at the foot of this mountain, at the foot of this hill looking up, this mountain is an immovable and dangerous obstacle that blocks you from everything that lies behind it. It is steep, it is jagged, it is rocky. And as you try to climb it, you are vulnerable and exposed. Think goat trail along the side of the mountain, completely open. Think rocky terrain and narrow roads. And even if you don't have to climb the mountain, you still have to go around it, and you're probably going to have to go through a choke point. Think Mount Sentinel and Hellgate Pass. Think perfect place for attackers to come and wipe us out. In this psalm, the hills are the danger. They are the threat to your life. But praise the Lord. He is your shield, and he is your protection. When I was younger, I used to believe that the point of this psalm we're looking at today, Psalm 121, I used to believe that the point was that Yahweh's up on the hill, and if I just look up enough, he might come down to help me. But that's not the point. The point of this psalm is that even though the hills are the danger, Yahweh is not living on top of the hill waiting for us to muscle through the danger to come to him. Yahweh is the God of the valley. 
The point is, he is our ever-present help in times of trouble, and therefore we will not be afraid. Yahweh is the God of the valley. He is the one who walks the valley of the shadow of death until you are safe in his house forever. So to give away the main theme, the main takeaway from this morning, it's this. Pilgrims, it is Yahweh's character to protect you in the valley because Yahweh is the God of the valley. Yahweh is the God of the valley, and he will care for you, and he will keep you all the way through the valley. And so as you make the journey, the pilgrimage of this life unto heaven and, and into new creation, as you travel through this life, which is nothing but a constant death, says our baptism form, and as you head to your true home in God's eternal city, you have the promise of Yahweh to protect you. You have the promise of Yahweh to protect you and to turn to your prophet everything. Everything he sends you in this veil of tears. We have two points this morning. First, Yahweh's promise is to protect you. You have Yahweh's promise to protect you. And then secondly, you can remember, repeat, and rely on those promises. You have the promise to protect you from Yahweh, and you can remember, repeat, and rely on those promises. First, you have Yahweh's promises to protect you. When you see the threat of the hills, you have the promise of the God of the valley that he walks the valley with you. When verse 1 sees the hill, the danger, and cries out, where's my help? Verse 2 answers immediately, my help is in Yahweh the creator. This is a promise throughout all the Psalms. We say this phrase at the opening of every service as it's found for us in Psalm 124. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. You have the promise of the God of the mountains the God who made the mountains, that he will protect you from them. But not only that, you have the promise of Yahweh that he will not let your foot be moved. In the psalmist's world, there's some basic rudimentary medical knowledge. We're not denying that. But you don't have the luxury of x-rays and surgeons and anesthesia. And so if your foot moves on the way there, you are a lifelong cripple. If you fall and break a bone, your destiny is going to be begging because you are out of commission. But Yahweh protects you. He promises to protect you. And that's because it's his character to protect you. Yahweh's character is to protect you, and it's his promise to protect you. Throughout our text this morning, there are so many ways that the psalmist tells us the same thing, that it is Yahweh's character to protect us. The psalmist does this by telling us both who Yahweh is and what he does. So not only is Yahweh he who keeps you, verse 3, that's a title, and your keeper, verse 5, that's another title. The psalmist also tells us what Yahweh does, not just who he is, but what he does. Yahweh is the one who will keep you, verse 7. It's not just who he is, it's what he does. It's his habitual action and his constant, consistent character toward you that he is your keeper. And because he is your keeper, he keeps you. And we know that because of verse 4. Verse 4, behold, the one who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Yahweh will keep you because he is Yahweh. By bringing up Israel in verse 4, what the psalmist is doing is reminding you of who Yahweh is. He is the covenant God who keeps his covenant promises to his people. He bound himself to his people by his oaths, and he will protect them because he keeps his word. His covenant is to his, his unbreakable word to his people, and therefore his covenant is his unbreakable word toward you, to protect you, 
And because of that unbreakable promise, he is yours forever and you are his forever. He's I am to you because he is the promise-keeping God of his covenant people. He is the God of Jeshurun who rides the clouds to help his people. He is the God who did not destroy his people because he put his name on them. And he is the God who swore by himself that they are his people and he is our God. But because Yahweh is unchangeably the covenant God of his people, he is unchangeably your keeper. And his character is to keep you so thoroughly that he never even sleeps. There is not and never has been a time where he has not unblinkingly watched you and cared for you. He is the covenant God of his people and he is your unsleeping keeper because his son is the surety. He is the, he is the guarantee of your prom, his promises to you. He's the substance of his promises to you and he gives you his spirit as a surety of his promises to you. But his son, Yahweh's son, is the substance and the reason that he can promise these things to you. His son is the one who came to die on the hill that should have killed you. He, the son came to overcome the great hills that stood between you and life forever in Zion. Sinai leered at you. Sinai growled and thundered and demanded you climb the hill of God's holiness and that you keep the law perfectly, and Christ climbed Sinai for you. Golgotha stood between you and Zion. Golgotha demanded that even if you kept the law, you still needed to die to pay the claims of God's justice, and Christ died on Golgotha for you. Every hill that stood in the way between you and Zion is one Christ has already conquered. And by Christ's death, Yahweh is now the one who keeps you. He is your keeper who keeps you. And he keeps you from all evil. And he keeps your life. He keeps your soul. You are his. And he is yours. In Christ, Yahweh is your God of the valley whose character is to keep you. That is the comfort of I belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. You are so thoroughly in Yahweh's care that nothing in all creation can separate you from his love. And we know that because of verses 5 through 6 of our text this morning. Verses 5 through 6, not only is Yahweh shading you from all the forces of nature, he is protecting you from the devil. Verse 6, let's look at that briefly. Verses 5 through 6, the Lord is your keeper, the shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. In the psalmist's world, the sun and the moon are not just forces of nature. They are pagan deities. Yahweh is protecting you in the valley from the devil. People all around the known world in the psalmist's time look up at the sun, they look up at the moon, and they start worshiping them. In the Genesis account, one of the beautiful things that the Holy Spirit does for us by the pen of Moses is when God creates the sun and the moon, he doesn't even call them the sun and the moon, he just calls them the great lights. Because Yahweh is the God of the sun and the moon. The sun and the moon are his sun and moon. The pagan deities cannot hurt you because he is Yahweh who made heaven and earth. And he made the sun and the moon. The devil is his devil. And no power in all creation, no natural power, no supernatural power will ever separate you from the love of God to you in Christ Jesus our Lord. You have Yahweh's promise of protection in the valley. His protection might not always look like the protection we want. 
and this is a hard point, his protection may very well look like chastening, like discipline that forms us into the image of his son. His protection might sometimes look like affliction that shapes us for glory. Psalm 119, it is good that I was afflicted. But we know that all things work together for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. And so whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. And we have his promise of protection in the valley. We have his promise that what he does as he protects us in the valley, what he does, he does for our good and for his glory and to bring us home to himself. And we know that from verse 8. Verse 8, The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Another way to say that is Yahweh will keep you, he will keep your coming and going from now on and for life everlasting. The word here is life everlasting. He, his hold on you is as old as his covenant. It is from eternity to eternity. His hold on you is eternal and his care for you is a care that numbered all your days in his book before any of them happened. Every coming, every coming and going, every going out and coming in, is a fancy way of saying everything in the course of your whole life, every action and inaction, all of it has been his care for you. It's been his protection for you on the way to life everlasting. Nothing in your life has surprised him, and everything in your life has been his web of time that he wove for you in mercy and love to bring you to himself. He is protecting you not just from the world and the devil. He is protecting you from you. He is protecting you from your own flesh. He's seeing you're going in, or you're going out and you're coming in. He is protecting you from your own flesh and from you. He is protecting you because nothing not even your own life, not just your death, but even your own life cannot separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And nothing is going to stop him from caring for you because he is your keeper and he is bringing you home to him. Yahweh's character is to protect you in the valley and to bring you through every valley to live in the house of the Lord forever. And you have his covenant promise wrapped up in his covenant character, that his character towards you is to protect you all the way. But now secondly, point two. Point two, when you're in the valley, you can remember, repeat, and rely upon these promises. Not only do you have the promises of Yahweh to protect you, not only do you know his character toward you, you can bank on it. You can remember, repeat, and rely on those promises. One of the things that struck me last week as we sang Psalm 136 is how often the Psalms repeat themselves. Notice when we sang Psalm 136 last week, how many times did we sing, His love endures forever? It was every line, His love endures forever. In our text this morning, in this Psalm, how often don't we hear the repeated word, keep or keeper? There are so many ways to say the same word, keep keeper. And even in the broader context of the Psalter, many of the promises in this psalm are just repeats. They're just repeats of other psalms that have the same promises. Psalm 66 verse 9, 
He has kept our soul from among the living and has not let our feet slip. Psalm 91, 11 through 12. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Both of those are the same promise as our text this morning. He will not let your foot be moved. Psalm 124, verse 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Psalm 146, 5 through 6. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps covenant forever. Well, that's the same promise as this psalm. My help comes from Yahweh, who made heaven and earth. It's no accident that in Acts 4, when the apostles are praying, their first impulse is to open their prayer, Sovereign Lord, who made heaven and earth. It's no accident because they have been catechized by the word of God. They grew up hearing the word sung. They grew up hearing the word proclaimed. They grew up seeing the word acted out in the liturgy. And so it was hidden in their hearts when they needed it most. Same is true for us. We have the blessing to come and hear the same gospel proclaimed week after week, to sing it in the word, to sing the gospel in God's word week after week, to eat the gospel in the supper week after week, and to act out the gospel in the liturgy week after week. And we have that privilege so that when we face the many dangers of our pilgrim life. When we come to the hills and are in the valleys, Yahweh's promises of his word are already hidden in in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit who works his word in our hearts by the word. And we can remember these promises, the promise that it is his character to protect us. We can remember that. We can repeat it and we can rely on that promise in the valley. We come to hear the promises of the gospel again and again and again so that when the world, the devil, and our own flesh assault us, when, our tempta- when temptations and trials plague us daily, and, and when our own consciences accuse us of our sin, we can remember, repeat, rely on, and rest in the promise of Yahweh, the God of the valley. Yahweh is my keeper. I hear it every Lord's day. Yahweh is my keeper who will keep me forever and ever. We come to hear the gospel that Yahweh's character is to protect us in the valley. And we come to hear the gospel that he will hold us and keep us because of Christ, his son, and that we are his and he is ours in Christ. And we come to hear the gospel that nothing can separate us from his love so that when the day of trouble comes, We've already heard and believed these promises again and again, and we can remember them, repeat them, and rely on them. We can remember, repeat, and rely on the promises of Yahweh, our ever-present help in the valley. It's no accident that the pilgrim in our psalm this morning is singing these repetitive remembrances of the promises of Yahweh and his word. It's because they've been hidden in his heart long before they need long before he needs them. What comes out as the pilgrim faces the hills is what's been put into him and worked in him by the power of the Holy Spirit through the means of grace. What's been worked in him are the promises of Yahweh that come out when they are needed. The promises of Yahweh revealed in the word of Yahweh. And so Sunday is not law. Sunday is gospel. Sunday is gospel privilege. 
The Sabbath was made for man, and it was made for us so that we could come to hear the glorious promises of the Lord of glory who promises to walk with us and to protect us in the valley and against the hill. We get to come and hear again and again and again the promises that we need to survive every week. We get to hear again and again Yahweh's promise to comfort and to care for us so that we can remember, repeat, and rely on those promises in times of trial. Pilgrim, Yahweh's character is to care for you. He assures you of that in the promises of his word, and he gives you that assurance in his promises so that you can remember, repeat, rely on, and rest in them as you go through your pilgrim life this week, now and forever. Amen. At Covenant Reformed Church in Missoula, Montana, we sincerely believe God's Word and faithfully teach it. We invite you to worship with us on Sundays. For more information, please visit MissoulaURC.com. That's MissoulaURC.com.